today and uh, I've been sharing uh, the last couple of services and got it uh, on the power of influence and I told y'all that uh, I kind of felt in my spirit that this was not going to just be a, a one a simple one sermon but I felt that it might become and turn into a series and uh, so here we are in our third part of this series talking about the power of influence and we were what, what really sparked this in my spirit in the beginning is because we were beginning to prepare and pray for the, the kids that were going to be going back to school and we realized as we're sending them out there amen as sheep among wolves amen in this world where there's all kinds of influence and all kinds of, uh, of different distractions and all kinds of temptations and all this and, and so God sparked this in me Amen. And, and to speak about influence and, 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 you know, talking about how we either influence people or we are influenced by people. Amen. And not only that, but that we can begin to either be a positive influence or we can be a negative influence. And, and so each, each of us have that responsibility in our lives. And as I begin to share that, if you kind of remember, I, I begin to talk about Paul. And I begin to talk about Paul in the book of Galatians. And, and, and here we are, Paul is uh, writing this letter to the Galatians, amen, the church of Galatia. And, and, and here he is, these people that Paul was speaking to, they hadn't even met Paul before. They hadn't even seen him, but they had only heard about him. They heard that he used to be a murderer. They heard that he used to be doing all these things, amen, against Christianity and against Christians, amen. But then they also heard about his encounter, amen, with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so what began to happen is just through them hearing of that testimony, amen, just through them hearing that this murderer, that his life was transformed, amen, by a touch of Jesus Christ. And now he was preaching the gospel with passion and with fire, amen, and with commitment. And they heard this, amen. And you want to know what it began to create them to do? It began to influence them to praise and worship Jesus Christ. And I began to share to you how some of you, you were that Paul, you were that murderer, you were that one that was known by people, amen, for things in your life that may have not been that good. But when people begin to hear about what Jesus has done in your life, when people begin to see how God is using your life, when people begin to see that you're preaching the gospel, that you're not turning back, that you're not wishy-washy, that you're no longer on that drugs, that you're no longer that thief, that you're no longer that person, amen. How many of y'all know it's going to create people to begin to praise and worship Jesus Christ? See, now that's what you call influence. Paul right there in that situation, those people had never seen him. They had never laid eyes on him. But he had an influence in a way to where he was creating them to seek the maker. Now I told you about how there's a difference between control and there's a difference between influence. Control is what you can do like with your children when they're with you to a certain degree. Control is what we can do with you when you're here in this ministry. Amen. For this time that you're here. But influence is what you do, what you can help and create people to do when they're not with you. These people weren't even with Paul. And though he was influencing them and impacting them to worship Jesus Christ. That's called influence. One is control and one is influence. And I was talking about the power of influence. 
And then I began to go and I shared another thing about Paul in my second teaching, which was becoming people of influence. And I began to speak about how Paul, amen, was on a ship and he was shipwrecked and ended up on the island of Malta. And within, he spent three months on the island of Malta, amen, right there. And of course, then we hear about how Paul began to, now, you know, he, they knew him on the ship and they knew who he was and he was prominent in their eyes. But then he began to come and he made an impact in multiple ways. And I spoke about how Paul was beginning to pick up the bundle of wood and he would put it on the fire. In other words, he wasn't too good to serve. And then I began to talk about how Paul was there and he got snake bitten, amen, by the snake. And the people began to say, you got snake bit because you were a murderer. And then within a quick few moments, you begin to see something begin to transpire when God begins to work in his life because that snake, amen, should have killed him. That snake bit should have caused him to die. And they were expecting him to die. But whenever they began to see him and they said, this guy's not dying. This snake is not biting him. See, and, and, and then what did they do? They began to change their, their whole tune. They said, this guy's not a murderer, this guy's a God. <laughs> Within a matter of one sentence, one verse, they go from calling him a murderer and saying, the reason why you're going to die is because you're not doing right. To saying, you're a God, and that's why you're not dying. And so what I shared with you about that is how sometimes through our trials, People see us walk through our trials and still be steadfast. They see us walk through our trials and still continue to conduct ourselves the same way. They see us walk through adversity, amen, and persecution and all these things, and we still conduct ourselves properly. Number one, we don't manifest whenever we get attacked and they say, you're a murderer. We don't say, amen, we start throwing a fit and yelling and cussing and stuff. We don't do all that. And then whatever they say, you're a God and they exalt you above what you really are because you're not a God. You have a God that lives in you. And then they begin to lift you up and exalt you and you still conduct yourself properly. Because why? Because you're living your life for one reason and that is to please God. You're not living your life for, for fame. You're not living your life for, for recognition from people. You're not living your life, amen, so that you can be noticed or super spiritual or any of that. You're living your life for the purpose, amen, of beginning to be a, a display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're living your life to draw people to the Lord through your actions and through your influence. And then I begin to tell you about how Paul, so he went from being called a murderer to being called a God. And within those three months that he was in on that island, he made a great impact. He influenced those people greatly. He got invited into the governor's house and the governor's father was very sick. The, the governor's father was deathly sick. And Paul, Paul had the gift of healing. When Paul would pray and lay hands on you, you would be healed in Jesus' name. And so guess what? Paul began to utilize his gifts in order to bless the people, in order to further the kingdom. And so Paul, amen, began to take and he prayed for the governor's father who had invited him to the house. And the governor's father got healed. And you know what began to happen? The whole island began to come and receive their healing. So here we are, amen. 
Just because Paul stood fast, just because Paul was consistent, just because Paul didn't get shaken and moved, amen, and act a certain way and, and manifest and act out and look like, you know what I'm saying, a heathen, amen. And he also didn't get all big-headed and say, look at me, I'm all that. I'm just super spiritual. You better bow down to me. He didn't do all that stuff. See, the Bible says that God exhausts the humble, and amen, but he resists the proud. Paul stayed humble. Paul stayed with a mission. He stayed with a purpose. He was to please God. And as a result, amen, the whole island came, those that needed to be healed. And they were healed in Jesus' name. And then guess what the people did? When they sent Paul off, they blessed him and gave him their blessing and gave him everything he needed to make it to the next spot in his life. Paul influenced that whole island for those three months. He wasn't there saying, oh, poor pitiful me. My, my ship is wrecked. Amen. And here we are now getting bit by this snake. Amen. And oh, my God, what's going on? No, he stayed fast. And he took that time, amen, those three months to impact and influence, amen, that whole island. And guess what? To glorify God. And they gave him the blessing and they gave Paul everything he needed. The Bible says as he moved on to his next adventure, Paul was a man of influence. He became a person of influence. And so today, what I want to share with you, I want to talk to you about guard your influence. Somebody say guard your influence. Guard your influence. I'm going to read to you briefly out of Matthew chapter 5, very familiar verse. Y'all are all familiar with this? I preached this well, probably two months ago, but thank you, Jesus. God's got something new for us today. Verse 13. You know where the Lord reads? He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless... How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. Somebody say anything. Except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. He says, goes on to say this. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, I want you to realize something here. He didn't say, you're like the salt of the earth. He didn't say, you're like the light of the world. He said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. You are. Somebody say, I am. Somebody say, we are. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light up a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, and it gives light to all, somebody say all, who are in the house. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. Speak to us today, Lord God. Anoint me to preach your word today, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in and through our lives. I thank you for what you're doing in this ministry. I thank you for the new buildings that are coming, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the new church in Jesus' name. I thank you for the souls that are coming in in Jesus' name. But, Father, as we're here today, Lord, 
Speak to us, God. Let me to decrease as you increase. Forgive us for all of our sins, Lord, right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would give the Lord a hand praise this morning. Amen. So here we are in the third part of this series, talking about the power of influence. And we spoke about the power of influence first, and then we spoke about becoming people of influence. And now today we're talking, God put it on my heart to tell you, guard your influence. Are y'all with me today? You know, as we look at this and we look, should I be really be concerned with this in my life? Well, I want to begin to share some things, and I had told you this before, but I'll tell you again. When we talk about the word influence, amen, the definition of influence is to affect or alter the conduct, the thought, or the character of another. When we're talking about influencing somebody, it is to affect the, or alter the conduct the thought or the character of another. And I had shared this with you before because we can either, amen, be an influence for the better or we can be an influence for the worst. But I want you to realize this, and I said it before, everyone has influence. And everyone has character. Some of us have good character. Some of us have not so good character. And some of us, as a result, will influence in a good way. And some of us will influence in a not-so-good way. Some of us will influence, like Paul, for people to worship Jesus, to come to the house of God, to be a part of the family of God, to have eternal life. And some of us will impact and influence people, amen, to live like the devil and live like hell on their way to hell. And when we talked about it, I talked about John Maxwell. And John Maxwell spoke about influence. And he said that, amen, influence is leadership. In other words, influence is leadership. In other words, you are leading people. And we have to realize each and every one of you say, well, pastor, I'm not a leader. Well, I'm here to tell you, amen, your life, your actions, your words, amen, they will influence the people around you. So you are leading so you're either leading in the right way or you're leading in the not so right way. And for some of us, this is really important, amen. Because we each and every one of us have a legacy that we're going to begin to leave. I don't care if you don't have any children right now. You're still going to leave a, leave a legacy. Just go to a few funerals and you'll see a legacy being left. And what is that legacy going to look like? What does that influence that you had while on this earth look like? I can tell you what the Bible says that it should look like. He says that we are the salt of the earth. And he says that we are the light of the world. Are y'all with me today? Now we know salt. Salt is, brings a healing element. Salt gives flavor. Amen. Salt gives a, you know, a little something there. Salt preserves, amen. We, we have the Holy Spirit. We're preserving this earth. Once the Holy Spirit's out of here, this thing's over with, amen. It's going to be complete chaos and mayhem. The only thing that's sustaining this earth right now is the Holy Spirit, amen, that lives inside of you and I. Amen. When the Holy Spirit and the Christians are up out of here, amen, it's, it's going to be crazy. 
Now, if you post-trib people, don't throw nothing at me, okay? I don't have a problem with it. I don't know which one I am. Thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you straight up. I don't mind. I'm ready to go through whatever we got to go through, amen? Because I know that he says, your grace is sufficient for you. Are y'all with me today? But everyone has influence. Everyone. Every single one of you sitting in this room today. I'm going to share a scripture with you to kind of put Bible on it today. In Romans 14 and 7, he says, for none of us lives to himself. And he goes on to say, and no one dies to himself. In other words, your life, as you're living it, it's not just living it for you. It's not just about what affects you, but it's about what affects everybody around you. See, we've got to begin to grab a hold of this today because first of all, we need to begin to be aware of what, how and what, what we're influencing. Second of all, we need to begin to learn how to guard our influence. Because one thing the enemy will try to do is try to hinder that. He already knows that his destiny, he already knows where he's going. He already knows that he's just on a time clock right now. But he knows if he can come in and hinder, amen, the work of God, if he can begin to come in and hinder, amen, what God is doing, are y'all with me today? He, if he could come in and begin to affect the people, amen, from receiving the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. If he can discredit you. You know, that's what the enemy's always trying to do. He's trying to discredit us. He's trying to get us to where people can't receive what Jesus has, amen, coming from our lives. And so we've got to begin to learn as Christians today to begin to guard that influence. And I spoke to you about being concerned, and I said, should we be concerned with our influence? And I'm going to tell you the reason that we should be concerned about our influence, amen? And the first reason is because of the fate of our own soul. You know, Romans 4, 12 says, so each... So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Each of us is going to give an account. Are y'all with me today? Now, I don't know about you, but I want him to say good, well, good and well done, uh, good, well done, good and faithful servant. But not only uh, is uh, it due to the fate of our own soul, but not only that, but because of the fate of others. Now, 1 Corinthians 9 and 22 says this. He says, to the weak, I became as weak that I might win the weak. He says, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. In other words, how we influence people and how we live, amen, will impact those around us. He says, to the weak I became weak, and amen, that I might win the weak. But uh, he says, but I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. In other words, there's going to be some people that are saved and go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus because of your life. There's going to be people that see how you live and how you operate, amen, and what you do. And they're going to see the joy of the Lord in your life in spite of what you may be going through. And they're going to say, hey, I don't know what it is that he has, but I want some of that. 
It's going to draw people. That's what he's talking about when he says we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. Because light draws people. And they're going to see that light upon you, amen, that's put up on, uh, not hidden, amen, under a basket, but it's on the hilltops. And they're going to begin to see the light of God, and it's going to begin to influence them to want to come and receive some of that. In other words, due to our influence, we can influence, first of all, ourselves in our fate, but we can also influence people to spend eternity in hell or to spend eternity in heaven. Are y'all with me today? Somebody say guard your influence. No, the Bible says this. The Bible says that we are to be an example. You know, 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul tells Timothy this. He says, let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. He's telling oh, young Timothy, who may have been young in age, yes, but not only that, but he was also young in the Lord. He was a young church planter. And Paul is telling young Timothy, hey, listen, don't let them despise your youth. He says, but you be an example in the way that you talk, in the way that you love, in the way that you operate, amen? Are y'all with me today? In your conduct, in spirit, in, in the way that you operate in faith, amen? And of course, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the, and the you know, evidence of things not seen. You're, you're believing God even though you may not see it, amen? You know that God's going to move. He's sharing there to be an example. So we begin to realize that we are an example to the people. Second uh, uh, Titus 2 and 7 says this, In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Now we're talking about influence here for a minute. So there's great power in influence. There's great power in good influence. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You and I, uh, we influence those around us, and if, if, but guess what? We also, the Bible says that your first ministry is your family, your wife and your kids, if you have one. That's your first ministry. In other words, that's your first congregation. That's your congregation. Are y'all with me today? And one thing that we begin to realize is that we can win souls to Christ through a good influence. 1 Corinthians 7 and 16 says this. He says, for how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, I want us to look at that for just a moment because, first of all, we look at it in perspective of this. If you have a husband or wife that may not know the Lord, the Bible says that due to your actions and the way that you operate and the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you continue to serve Jesus and the way that you continue to operate in, in faith, the way that you do your life will draw them to come to the Lord. 
Are y'all with me today? But I want to flip it for just a second because not only will the way that you live when you're living right draw them to the Lord, but how many of y'all know whenever you are living wrong, it can begin to deter them from serving God? See, I want, to, I want you to realize this today because it's important that we guard our influence, amen, because God wants to use our life to influence those around us, starting first with our wives and our children, amen, or our husband and our children in order to serve Jesus. And the enemy wants to come in and begin to hinder our influence to where they can't receive nothing from us, to where they can't hear what we're saying, to where they no longer even have a desire, amen, to seek seek Jesus, to go to church, amen, to live their life for Jesus because the way that we conduct ourselves and act. Have y'all ever seen it before? Amen. You see a couple and they're on fire and they're serving Jesus. They're excited. And then all of a sudden the enemy begins to come in and attack. Amen. And they begin to respond in a way that is not productive. Amen. And all of a sudden we're cussing each other out and yelling at each other. And, and all of a sudden we start creating all this damage and we hurt one another and everything else. And before you know it, neither of them, amen, are going to church. Neither of them are serving Jesus. They're now deterred to even have a desire. Somebody say, guard your influence. Not only that, but those around you. I shared with you about Paul, and I shared with you about how he was on the island of Malta, and Paul had been bit by a snake. And he still operated in the same manner. He still stayed steadfast. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to get bit by some snakes. We're going to get bit by some things in this world. We're going to go through some trials. We're going to go through some adversity. We're going to go through some things that, where we get hurt and, and we're getting under attack and we're dealing with stuff in our lives. Amen. But we can either be like Paul and begin to continue to walk steadfast, continue to be consistent, amen, and just shake that snake up off us. Amen. Begin to throw it into the fire like he did and still go forward. Or we can begin to shut down and say, poor pitiful me. God doesn't love me. God is no longer with me. He doesn't have anything for me. Amen. See, people will see what you're going through. And people will see what you're dealing with. And they will see you continue to walk steadfast right through it. Amen. Nothing will change. Amen. You'll still be able to believe God for the impossible. You'll still be able to seek the Lord. You'll still love God. You'll still be singing praises. You'll still be speaking worship. Amen. You'll still be going to church. Are y'all with me today? You'll still be doing ministry. Praise the Lord. Can I get you to come up here real quick? And of course, we know the story. When Paul shook that snake off, the first thing they did when he got bit was they said, you're a murderer, and that's why the snake bit you. And within one, one, within one verse, they saw that he didn't die. They saw that he still made it through. And as a result, they said, he must be a God. And we don't want them to say, you know what, we must be a God. But we want them to say, you know what, they must, it must be that God that they're serving. 
Because we're coming into a time where things are going to get crazy in this world, amen, and people are going to be going through all these trials and hurts and, and all this stuff, and you know what? They're going to see us continue to walk through steadfast and through this fire and through these storms and through these things, amen, and they're going to see us get bit by the snake, amen, but they're going to see that we don't die, and they're going to see that we continue to move forward, and they're going to see something, and they're going to say, you know what, amen, that guy must have Jesus in his life. There's no way he can do that without God. And it's going to create them to want to know this God. And it's going to create them to want to worship this God. It's going to influence them. Like the, just like Paul influenced the people to seek and worship Jesus Christ. And I told you Paul didn't get all puffed up when he said, you must be a God. He didn't say, yeah, you better bow down to me right now. Amen. Say three Hail Marys and you're going to get a blessing. He just kept on going, steadfast, same way. And that whole island got touched. He kept serving. He went and served the emperor's, the, I mean, the governor's father by praying for him for a healing. He kept serving. He didn't quit. He didn't say, okay, I'm all that. I'm a super spiritual. Now I'm going to rely on everybody. Everybody else needs to do it. They need to serve. No, he continued to let God use him. He continued to walk humbly before the Lord and he continued on his mission and that was to see souls saved to see lives changed to see people healed and as a result the Bible says that the whole island came and everybody got their healing and then the people saw that and they blessed him God will be the one that will raise you up but God will use your life amen you may be going through a trial right now you may be going through something that's real tough right now amen God's going to use it for the glory of God you just got to stay steadfast, amen. You got to keep going forward. You got to just, you can't get out of character. You can't get out of character. They can't, don't let the devil, amen, begin to discredit you. Don't let the devil begin to create people say, I told you so. I told you that God wasn't with them. I told you they weren't going to do nothing. I told you I could get them to manifest. I told you I could get them out of character. Are y'all with me today? 1 Peter 2 and 11 says this, Beloved, I beg you. That's a pretty bold statement. I beg you. He says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or the heathens, that when they speak against you as evildoers, look at this, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. He says, I beg you, saints. I beg you, Christians. Amen. I beg you to not walk fleshly in the lust of the flesh. Amen. That war against your soul. But you conduct yourself honorably. Among the people that when they speak against you as evildoers. Amen. Amen. They spoke against Paul as an evildoer. They said, you're a murderer, and that's why you got bit by the snake. In other words, you're going through this because you must be in sin. You ever had somebody tell you that? They must be in sin. All this bad stuff happening to them. 
Now, sometimes it is because we're in sin if we are, and that's, we're opening up the avenue for the enemy to come in. But sometimes it's because we're just, we're just serving Jesus in life. Just this, We're in a corrupt, evil world that's got wickedness in it. Amen, and stuff happens. We're in a lost and fallen, dying world, a sinful world, but they're going to observe your good works. And on the day of visitation, the day that Jesus comes to them, they'll accept them. On the day that God reveals himself, the day that the Holy Spirit reveals himself. You know what I'm saying? Because that may not, it may not happen yet. They might not have had it during their encounter with God yet. But when they do, they're going to say, man, because I remember, I remember these people, man. When I was young, you know, I was young. And these people, they were Christians, and I didn't really know. My folks didn't take me to church, you know what I'm saying? I mean, my dad prayed with me at night, but that's about it, you know? And we did sports on weekends, and that's what we did. My sister played tennis, and I played soccer, and we were in tournaments and everything else, you know? Our whole goal was to become, uh, you know, get a scholarship for soccer and tennis. And my wife, my sister did. She got a scholarship to Duke for tennis. And now she's a missionary. And now my father is working in prison ministry for the last 15 years. And now I'm a pastor and a father and a husband. God is good, amen. But I remember these people that came, amen. And I remember I lost my little hamster. I had a hamster, amen. That poor little thing, I, I put him in a cage and I put him on my bike in the middle of Florida in that hot summer weather. And I'd ride that sucker down the road on my handlebars, you know what I'm saying? He's dying over there getting shook up. And, but I love that hamster. No, I love that hamster. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, as much as I could have answered, that sucker would bite me sometimes, but I liked him, you know. And I couldn't find him one morning. He had got out the cage, and I couldn't find him, and I was heartbroken. You know, I know some of us are tough and macho, and we can't share these stories, but I got a soft heart, you know. That's why God can use my life. Praise the Lord. I don't care what you say about me. I'm not trying to impress you. But anyways, and so this hamster was out of the cage and it was gone. And I was hysterical and then I had to go to school because it was early in the morning. You know what I'm saying? And what did I do? I got in that car with those people and they had just been, they hadn't tried to push Jesus on me all hard. They hadn't tried to tell me, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. They didn't try to do any of this. You know, they just exemplified the life of Christ and conducted yourself in a, in a way, you know, they might pray for the traveling grace. And of course, I didn't pay no attention, whatever they want to pray, that's their business. And then so all of a sudden I get in that car and I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm upset and she sees it and she's like, what's wrong, son? And I said, well, my hamster, my hamster is missing. I can't find him. And then I got to go to school, so I can't look for him. And what did she do? She began to say, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we prayed right there in that car right there that day. I'm like, whatever, I'll do anything right now. I'll try anything. I just want my hamster back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you know, I went home that evening. I went home that day after school, and of course, I'm running in there, and I'm starting to look for him, and here he comes crawling out of the dresser drawer right there, that little guy. <laughs> and I still didn't accept Jesus, and all of a sudden, it wasn't like I just had a Holy Ghost party right there or nothing. It didn't happen like that. But how many of y'all know, you know what I'm saying, 20-some years later, whenever it came time for Jesus to visit me, when it came time for him to have an encounter with me, 
I remembered those people and there was something different about them. And I remember that time that we prayed and we went to God and, and that hamster was there when we showed up. Because of their good works. Not because they were shoving Jesus down my throat. Because they had influence on my life. Influence that lasted from the time that I was probably, what, seven or eight years old all the way until I was, you know, 26 ready to accept Jesus into my heart. Are y'all with me today? We've got to begin to be the light. We've got to begin to be the salt. They've got to begin to see us conduct ourselves consistently no matter what we're going through. We're going to go through things. If you're going through something, thank you, Jesus. You know, James says, count it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials. They're going to create perseverance and character in your life, and it's going to prepare you. I'd rather him let me go through some trials now and be, be prepared for what's coming than me have not gone through anything. And all of a sudden, when all heck breaks loose, and I haven't ever experienced anything before, and then I just, again, my love begins to wax cold because I haven't experienced nothing See, God knows how to prepare us and mold us for that. Thank God he doesn't just leave us hanging with no, with no preparation, with no experience, you know, with never being able to see him move in a situation and overcome a, a mountain, amen, and begin to overcome all these challenges in our lives. Thank God it's not just we get thrown in there and then all of a sudden when everything's just popped off and you know, it's all crazy and we ain't got nothing to stand on, we ain't have no foundation because we haven't been through anything. But the society doesn't want to go through anything these days. I look back at every single time to everything that I've gone through and I believe for a short time that I've been serving Jesus and a short time that I've been doing ministry, I believe I've gone through a lot. God's put me on a fast track. It's called the school of Christ. He has a way of developing you and he has a way of developing your faith. And it came, every single one of them came through trials. Every single one of them came through a difficult situation. Every single one of them came through adversity. Every single one of them came through persecution. Every single one came through a situation that was, looked like it was hopeless, that was impossible other than God showing up. And what did he do? He began to ignite my faith and take it to the next level. And I began to get more familiar with my God. I began to get more familiar with who he is. I began to get more familiar with how he's going to show up. Amen. And that way when the next one comes, okay, I've been here before. Amen. And it's still not comfortable. And it's still, you know what I'm saying, tough. But I know God's going to show up. He's done it before. He'll do it again. 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 He's healed before. He'll do it again. He brought me through that cancer. He'll do it again. He brought me, I, I, you know, he brought me through this challenges in my marriage. He'll do it again. He brought me through this financial uh, difficulty. He'll do it again. He brought me through this addiction. He'll do it again. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. There's power. There's great power of our influence. It'll cause some of us to serve and worship Jesus, but 
It'll also cause evildoers to be ashamed. Amen. This is what 1 Peter says in 3 and 15. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you as a reason for your hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when the defame, when they defame you as evildoers. Now, you know, the Bible says that in the last days that they're going to call right, wrong, and wrong, right. They're going to call the things of God as evil. They're going to call the things of the flesh and the world as good. You already see it happening. You saw it all happening this last eight years. And it's just beginning to even progress more. They defame you as evildoers. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. You know why people don't want to hang around you sometimes when you're doing right, when you're living and walking in the holiness and the power of God? Not everybody's going to be able to just hang around you because you begin to make them feel ashamed for their lifestyle. So when you're walking as the light of the world... You're either going to draw the ones that need to be drawn and you're going to begin to deflect the ones that need to be deflected. Are you all with me today? They're either going to be drawn to the light through your love, through your compassion, through your lifestyle, your character. Are they going to be repelled so that they won't be exposed. What is your life influencing today? Is it influencing people to have a stronger desire to serve and worship Jesus? Or is it creating people to have a stronger desire to do evil, to live for the flesh, to live for the world? I told you Paul when he was writing to the people of Galatia, they hadn't even seen him. They had never laid eyes on him. But due to the testimony of who he was and now what he was, who he become and what Jesus had done in his life, they were worshiping and praising God. That's influence. Control is what they do when they're with you. Your kids are with you. The guys in the home and the women in the home are with you. That's control. Amen. You got prayer time. You got, you got to do, you clean your room. You got to, we watch what you watch on TV. You can't be watching or listening to garbage on your phone. Amen. You're in the car. You can't be driving too fast. You can't be doing this. Amen. But what about when they're away from you? Because they're not going to be with you forever. Amen. And how have you influenced them? You'll find out whenever it comes time for them to go on their own. And if they continue to serve Jesus, if they continue to worship God, if they continue to operate in conviction, amen, that's why the Bible says train up a child in the way that it should go and it will not depart. Amen. Influence is what you do when people aren't around. Paul had influenced those people in such a way that they were worshiping and praising Jesus when they weren't around. That's influence. We can't control these kids, amen, forever. We can't control these men and women in the home forever, amen. There's coming a time when they're going to have to make some decisions on their own. My prayer is that we've influenced them in such a powerful way that they're going to continue to pray. They're going to continue to seek Jesus. They're going to continue to worship. They're going to continue to get plugged into a church. They're going to continue to treat their wife right. They're going to continue to be able to raise up their kids right. Amen. They're going to continue what has been trained and taught to them. And the same with our kids. That's why we've got to influence this generation. And that's why I was telling the kids, amen, 
You can influence your whole school. Y'all got everything you need, man. You can change this whole community around. Amen. When there was like 15 kids here, those 15 kids alone, man, amen, they could impact that whole, amen, Van ISD in Jesus' name. If they would just be an influence instead of being influenced. If they just realized who they were and what they had. Amen. They have everything they need. The Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, somebody. They got the power of God. Amen. They got the favor of God. They got the blessing of God on their lives. They got it all, man. You know what I'm saying? And they got Xbox. That always helps too. And basketball. I found out those two help. Kids. Basketball, Xbox, and God. I don't know if it's in that order. It might be Xbox basketball and then God. I don't know. God is good, amen. You know, as we look at some examples, and I'm about to get ready to close, but some examples of some good influence in the Bible. Joshua was a good influence in the Bible, wasn't he? And not only that, but how about Jesus? Of course, he was a great influence. I want to share with you an example of of, of what something that John's way of dealing with something, John, amen, uh, prior to Jesus influencing him. And then I want to share with you kind of how he had changed once Jesus influenced him. Let me, let me share with you in Luke chapter 9 real quick in verse 54. This is prior to Jesus influencing John, and this is what John said. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? In other words, <laughs> Lord, you want us to command that these suckers get burned up? You know, they were all out for Jesus. They'd do whatever. They, you know, and their first thought is, man, we need to bring fire down on these heathens. <laughs> like Elijah did. But then after Jesus had influenced him in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. So all of a sudden, all that bring fire down on them, that stuff went away. Because <laughs> they got in, influenced by the one who is love. Sometimes that's the way we are. Man. I hope they get in a car wreck on the way home. They're wicked. Or I hope they lose their job or whatever, you know. Yeah, some of you are laughing because you know you used to do that stuff. I hope they get a stomach bug or eat food poisoning. The runs, hello. Yeah, some of you are hoping they come to eat at your house so you can put some X-lax in their food or something. Yeah, you obey the Bible in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, come to my house and eat. I'll show you, sucker. He says, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. This is the same John, and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love God. I pray that my life, if the worship team can come forward, I pray that my life creates us to love one another more. You know, I want to tell you this. There's some things that I am diligently 
working on in my life and trying to display it in the lives of those around me to influence them in this way. And one is like Paul was saying in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. He was saying this. He said, I pray to God that your love will increase. He says, I pray to God that your that it will increase. He says, and this is what he goes on to say. He says, look, I know that you've already been taught this. And I know you don't need to hear this type of, this doctrine. I know you don't have to hear this preaching about God is love and this and that. He says, I know that. I know you've heard it. I know that you know it. But he says, I still ask that you work on making it even more. He says that you love even more. And, he, and then he, he goes on to say your love that it increased. And then he also says on the other end and that your holiness increased so that you will be blameless, amen, before God. And I took that to heart, amen, because I want my love, and I'm asking God right now, give me more love, God. Make me love more. Make me love like you love. Help me, God. Show me this. Give, make it a desire, because it's all supernatural. It's all from God. God's the one that provides it. God's the one that greets it to increase. That's why Paul said this. He said, I pray that it, to, he didn't say, I'm, I'm asking or I'm suggesting. He wasn't preaching a sermon to him. He was, he was telling him, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that your love increases. He says, I'm praying for you that your holiness increases. Because he knows that God was the source for all that. He knows that without God, we can't live a sinless life. He knows without God, we can't even live right. He knows without God, we can't do what's right. He knows without God, we'll be on drugs. Without God, we're going to steal from people. Without God, we're going to hurt people. Without God, we're going to do all this. So he says, I'm praying to God. And and right now, that's where I'm at. I'm asking God, God, help me love and help me walk in a manner worthy of my calling. Right now, God, help me do that. And help me be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. That's my prayer right now. That's my prayer. And he's doing it. He's giving me a love for things right now that I never even saw before. You know, you don't want to, you want to know why I never give, give up on my marriage? You want to know why as a Christian I never give up on my marriage? And I know even in the times where it looks the most hopeless, even in the times where it looks like we're, we're fighting like cats and dogs, even when it looks like, man, you know, say we're never going to be able to work this out, and I'm still not hopeless. And the reason is is because I know that God will begin to shift things. He'll begin to remove that discontentment. He'll begin to take away that stuff to where I'm not satisfied. Man, forget do I love her. Amen. Am I able to love her through Christ? Come on, somebody. God's the one that's going to help me love her. I can't even love myself without God how am I going to love my wife without God but I know that I can begin to love God and myself and all of you more so I know it's not hopeless and yeah we go through stuff and yeah sometimes we hurt each other and yeah sometimes it's like man you know I'm getting bald and a little fat you know what I'm saying and you know what I'm saying? And she's getting mean as this can be, you know? I'm joking. But I know divorce is never an option. She get mean because I was mean to her for so many years. You can only take so long and people get mean to you. You're going to become mean. It's like getting a dog. I mean, dog isn't mean. You make it mean. You beat that sucker and stuff. You know, I'm not a fan of pit bulls, but they're not mean until you make them mean.
I know that I know that divorce is never an option. I know no matter how bad it gets, it's never an option. Amen. It's never going to happen. I just got to go press in deeper to God. I just got to go get with God. I may be discontent. I may say, oh, we're not 20 years old no more. We're not all skinny and looking all good. And my, you know, my teeth are, might fall out soon. So what? Amen. It's okay. I've got to get to God. I've got to get to the source. I've got to get to the one that can provide it. I've got to get to the one that can change it. I've got to get to the one that can shift it around. Amen. That's all i got to do. i got to get to God. And he'll help me love. He's going to help me love the unlovable. I don't care how mean she gets. Amen. And she's not mean, by the way. But if you had to put up with me, amen, for 16 years, you'd probably, you know, be a little on, on guard, you know. Because I'm a piece of work. Some of y'all are a piece of work. Hello. We got to guard our influence. We got to guard. Guys, we have to watch the way we respond to our wives. We've got to guard our influence because they need to be able to hear us in a time of need. Because we're the ones that's the priest of our household. We're the ones that are the spiritual leader of our household. We're the ones that God's going to give the insight to. Amen. And there's going to be a time where we're going to have to be able to speak into their lives. Where we're going to have to tell them, watch out for this trap. Watch out for this wolf. Watch out for this. Amen. And if we, amen, have created a spot where they, we can, they can't receive from us. We have no influence in their lives because we're not living right. Or because we respond to them crazy. Because we talk down to them. Because we get hostile and, and speak, tell them all kinds of negative stuff. Or we're wishy-washy and we're all over the board. One day we're loving and serving Jesus, the next day, forget Jesus. Come on, this is a serious deal right here, and I'm about to close. This is serious. We're coming into a time where man. got to do is you just respond calmly you say yeah I understand honey it's gonna be okay I understand you think I'm a piece of trash it's gonna be okay I understand that I hurt you it's gonna be okay you're sick I'm gonna pray for you it's gonna be okay the enemy is trying to rip right through families and marriages and churches right now see one of the toughest things and this is why the devil works so hard in this area one of the toughest things is whenever either the leader of the household or the leader of the church the body is no longer able to influence his people to serve Jesus. That's a tough spot. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Just like good influence has great power, bad influence has great power. 
But our influence as Christians, it can't be overemphasized. We have an effect on others. Amen. We have an effect on others around us. This is why we've got to be diligent to live right. This is why we've got to be diligent to preserve the unity. This is why we've got to be diligent to love our wives like Christ loved the church. This is why we've got to be diligent to give them something to respond to. This is why we've got to be diligent, amen, how we are around our kids. This is why we've got to be diligent, amen, and what we're doing and watching and talking about around our families, their kids, or how about our spiritual kids, our disciples. We've got to be diligent in this. We're influencing them, amen. We're influencing them. You know, uh, we're influencing them, and what is this that they're going to do when they're away from us? Amen. What is it? What kind of fruits are we producing? You know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. Amen. And there's going to come a time where we can't control them anymore. There's going to come a time when Alexander is going to have to make a decision to do the right thing. There's going to come a time when Gracie is going to have to make a decision to do the right thing. There's going to be a time when Adonai has to make a decision to do the right thing. Going to be at this time when y'all in the homes got to make a decision to do the right thing, and it's all in how we influenced you, amen. So, as we sing, amen, just let God begin to develop in you, amen, a desire to want to influence those around you in the right way, amen, to impact your community, to impact the, your family, to impact those around you. No matter what happens to you, you're steadfast. So, as we sing, amen, y'all worship. serve God.